Father God, thank you that we can be here in this beautiful place on this beautiful day. I pray, God, that because of this time in your word that each of us will find a new way to do what we just prayed, what we just sang, and experience in your power, in your spirit, a level of significance, a level of kingdom impact that will give our lives joy and peace and purpose that we can find no place else. Speak that truth into me and into us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I was thinking about it. I preached my first sermon in 1976. Some of y'all don't know there was a 1976. Dinosaurs roaming the earth and all of that. And from then till now, I have never before in all of my decades of doing this ever started a Bible study with a wrestler. But we're going to do that today. So that's John, I think it's called Cena. Is that how he says it? C-E-N-A? Cena? Is that right? Yeah. You probably didn't get up this morning and think, hey, let's go to chapel and talk about John Cena. Let's do it. You don't even, I can see on your faces. You have no idea who I'm talking about, a lot of you. Others of you do, and you're surprised we're doing this in chapel, right? Interesting story, actually. Uh, remarkable story in some way. That This is John Cena, in case you were wondering. He's known to the world because he's a professional wrestler. In fact, he's won numerous heavyweight wrestling championships over the years, title belts, that sort of thing. He is also known as an action actor, uh, you know, movie actor, action flicks, that sort of thing. But the reason he caught my eye this last week was this headline. John Cena breaks make-a-wish record after granting hundreds of wishes. So you've probably heard of Make-A-Wish Foundation, the remarkable thing. They've been going on for 42 years now. They target children ages 2 to 18 who are suffering from a critical illness. One of the ways they do that is to give these children an opportunity to make a wish, and they try to fulfill that. And oftentimes these wishes involve celebrities. John Cena has fulfilled more than 650 such wishes. The celebrity in second place doesn't have 200 of them. And that's cool. In fact, he said about this recently, if you ever need me for this, I don't care what I'm doing. I will drop what I'm doing and be involved because I think that's the coolest thing. When he was honored by Make-A-Wish for his 500th wish that he fulfilled, he made this statement, I just drop everything. If I can offer a fantastic experience, it'll, I'll be the first in line to do my part. And I thought that was cool. Well, there are other stories in last week's news that kind of illustrate the same theme. These four individuals are now in the Guinness Book of World Records for having putt-putted longer than anyone in putt-putt history. They did that for more than 24 hours. Now, I like putt-putt too, but 24 hours. You're thinking, wow, that's a tough day. Well, the reason they did that was to raise funds to help with the victims of the floods in Kentucky a few weeks ago. They didn't know what else they could do, but they liked to putt-putt, and that's what they did. And then this story was in the news. This six-year-old girl was critically ill, needing to be in the hospital in Oklahoma City. Her family knew they didn't have time to wait on the ambulance, so they put her in the car, and they began speeding to the hospital, and it's everybody's worst nightmare. A state trooper caught them and pulled them over for speeding. When he found out the story, not only did he not give them a ticket, he helped them speed to the hospital and saved her life, and she's going to be well. 
And I thought that was cool. Well, all of us here today share at least one thing in common, and that is that we have a God-created desire to live lives of significance. We want our lives to count. We want to leave a legacy. We want what we do to matter. At the end of the day, we want the day to have mattered. We want to do something that makes a difference. We're all that way. Every one of us, we're made by God that way. God did that. God made us in His image. God made us to do the same thing. Now, you and I have something in common here that I can't really say outside this room very well. I don't know how to say this to make it come across real well. I think you'll know what I mean. We in this room, on some level anyway, have experienced enough success to know that success is not significance. We have figured that out on some level. Now, there are people wealthier than we are, I know that, but compared to the world, if there are people in the world that are thinking success is significance, we have experienced enough of it to know that's not true. That this world is not all there is. What you own isn't enough. Success is not significance. So then what is? Let's discuss for just a moment the surprising way to live a life of significance. And the answer we've already discovered. It is to do surprising things of significance. The surprising way to live a life of significance is to do surprising things of significance. So we're going to walk through some things in the Gospel of Matthew this fall. I'm going to walk through, not verse by verse, we'd be here for five years, but we're going to pick up things in the Gospel of Matthew that are uniquely in the Gospel of Matthew, and they're all going to be around the question, how do we live with significance? How do we turn success into significance? How do we make our lives matter and count most significantly? We're going to start all that in Matthew chapter 1, of course. Now, Matthew 1 begins in a way you'd rather me not begin. If you remember Matthew 1, you remember the begats, right? Abraham offered, Abraham begat Isaac, and Isaac begat Jacob, and Jacob begat Methuselah, Methuselah begat Bill, and Bill begat Ken, and it goes on and on and on, right? And you're thinking, well, why is that how Matthew begins? Well, Matthew's where it is, first book of the New Testament, as a bridge to the Old Testament. Matthew wrote his gospel to convince the Jews Jesus is the Messiah, Jesus couldn't be the Messiah if he wasn't the full-blooded descendant of Abraham and David. If Matthew can't prove that, the Jews won't pay any attention to anything else he says. has to prove that. Just like I couldn't run for president if I'm not 35. If I'm running for president and you can prove I'm not 35, I can't run. Constitution says have to be 35 to run for president. You had to be a full-blooded descendant of Abraham and David to be the Messiah, so that's why the genealogy is there, is to prove that, all right? But in the midst of that, there are some surprising names that we wonder why they're there. Jewish genealogies never included women. I'm sorry, they just didn't. They always trace the descent through the men. I'm not defending that. I'm not saying that's great. That's just the way the Jewish culture worked, all right? No women ever in genealogies. Matthew includes women. All right, so Matthew's going to include women. If I get a vote, I'm going to pick Sarah. I want Sarah to be in there. I want Rachel to be in there. Maybe I want Esther to be in there. I want Deborah to be in there. I want these great heroines of faith to be in there. That's not what Matthew did. As you skip down to Matthew chapter 5, you read Salmon, the father of Boaz, by Rahab, and Boaz, the father of Obed, by Ruth, 
and Obed, the father of Jesse. Remember Rahab? Remember what she did for a living? We have children's chapel back there. I will not get into detail. Aren't you surprised if you didn't already know it was there? Of all the names he could pick, that he would pick hers? And remember not what just what she did for a living. Remember what she did for the Jewish spies when they're spying out the promised land before the battle of Jericho and how she shelters the Jewish spies to the demise of her own Canaanite people and chooses to worship the Jewish God over her own Canaanite pagan idols. Without that surprise, if she turned the Jews, the Jewish spies in, would there have been the battle of Jericho? Could they have conquered the promised land? How different would the story have been? Then you skip on down, Boaz, the father of Obed, by Ruth. Now, Ruth gets a great telling in our culture because we remember how she gave up the Moabite culture to join the Jewish culture and gave up the Moabite gods to join the Jewish gods. Understand in that day and time how radical, how surprising that was. The Jews thought God made Gentiles so there'd be firewood in hell. Literally thought that. They wouldn't let Jewish women help Gentile women have babies because that would only bring another Gentile into the world. And here's a Gentile from the hated Moabites as an ancestor of Jesus because of the surprising act of significance she chose. Then you skip on down. The last woman, of course, is Mary, the most famous woman in human history, venerated obviously around the world. But at that point in time, a peasant teenage girl living in a town so small that it's not mentioned even once in the entire Old Testament, who was told she will be the mother of the Messiah when she's never been married, and remember what she risks to choose to do that. Best case scenario, her husband will divorce her, which is what Joseph was choosing to do. Worst case, he'll have her stoned as an adulteress, her surprising act of significance. And don't overlook Joseph, who chose to take Mary as his wife and raise a child that is not his and risk his life and his status and his future in a surprising act of significance, and the world will never be the same. So what do we learn from those stories? Three lessons very quickly. Surprising way to live a life of significance. First, be ready today. Be ready always. A surprise is by definition surprising. Be ready today. I love what John Cena said. If you ever need me for this, I don't care what I'm doing. I will drop what I'm doing and be involved because I think that's the coolest thing. That's how it works. Henry Blackaby, who wrote Experiencing God, was right. When you made Jesus your Lord, you gave him permission to change your plans. Now, I got to tell you, I don't like that much. I start every week in my journal by planning out the week. I don't just mean generically. I can show you tomorrow morning by 9 o'clock my entire week, hour by hour, as I have it planned out, and I love scratching stuff off the to-do list as I do it all through the week. I love setting goals and trying to accomplish them. I love getting the day planned out and worked out. I don't like it. I really don't like it when God changes my plans. And whenever that happens, i got to make the same decision you've got to make. Is He really Lord or not? You found out if He's your Lord when he asks you to do something you don't want to do. He can be your friend, and you can say no to a friend. 
He can even be your father, and you can say no to your father, as all of us who have children can witness it. All of us can testify with our fathers. He is your Lord to the degree that you do what He wants when you don't want to. Believing that His ways are better than yours, that His thoughts are higher than yours, that surprising acts of significance will be truly significant. It's starting every day by holding the day loosely and being open to the surprises of the day. Surprises are, by definition, surprising. So the first thing we do is stay open today, be ready today. Second, listen to the Holy Spirit. Have you asked Jesus to forgive your sin and be your Lord? If you've done that, the Holy Spirit now lives in you. You are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. Did you know that the same Holy Spirit who saved you, who lives in you, actually will speak to you? He will speak to you. Look at this. Isaiah 30, verse 21, one of Janet's favorite verses. Your ears shall hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it when you turn to the right or when you turn to the left. If right now you're thinking, well, I don't hear the Holy Spirit very often. Is that his fault or ours? Is it that he's not speaking or we're not taking time to listen? You've got to be close enough to somebody to hear their voice. People driving up and down out there on Prog Road 36 can't hear this conversation. Is it his fault or mine? First church I worked at, I was a youth minister at a Baptist church in Houston, Texas. One thing, there's a lot of things they didn't tell me when I came to work at that church, and one of them was that the youth, youth minister, as it turns out, is in charge of putting the letters up on the church sign. Remember the church marquee sign things? And back in the day, the way you did that was you had this big long pole and it had this grabber thing on it and you had to lay the letters out down here on earth and then grab them and put them up where they went up there. And our pastor came up with these things and they were always long. He wanted as many letters as we had. And it was always, it'd take a couple hours to do this lovely job that I got to do every single week. That was just one of my jobs in Houston, Texas, especially in the summer, mosquitoes. You know, the mosquitoes of State Bird of Houston, all that stuff. And I, I remember it fondly, as you can remember. That was 1977. I remember it well. But I will always remember one saying that our pastor had me put up on that sign one week. If you don't feel close to God, guess who moved? If you don't feel close to God, guess who moved? I love this in 1 Samuel, where Samuel was taught to say to God, Speak, Lord, for I am your servant, and I am listening. Would you pray that courageous prayer every day? Speak, Lord, for I am your servant, and I am listening. If you will, I promise you he will speak to you. Now, I'm not saying it will be an audible voice like Samuel heard. You'll hear him in your thoughts. You'll feel an inclination Spirit speaking to spirit. He will open this door and close that door. It's amazing on those days, and I wish they were every day, but on those days where I give the day to him at the beginning and I walk in his spirit through the day, it's amazing how many coincidences I experience on those days. It's just amazing. How many opportunities I could never have imagined just cross the path if you're willing to be led. And then last, serve whether people notice or not. And the funny truth is, that's often what they notice the most. Selfless acts of surprising significance. 
whether people notice or not. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. That's a commandment. We do this following the example of Jesus, who came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So, if you'd like your life to be significant, if you want today to count, here's what you do. Decide right now you will be ready to serve today. Whatever it takes, whatever you ask, whatever the cost. Ask the Spirit to lead you. doesn't have to be weird, esoteric, magical stuff. Listen to your thoughts. Pay attention to opportunities. Believe there are no coincidences with God. See the events of the day as kingdom assignments. Listen to the Spirit as He leads. And be willing to serve whether people know or not. That's the greatest kind of service there is. So at the end of the day, it boils down to this. The closer I am to Jesus, the more Jesus can use me. The more Jesus can make me like Jesus. The more Jesus can continue his earthly ministry through me. We are the body of Christ, literally the body of Christ. We are the hands and feet of Jesus. Jesus wants to do now what he did then, wants to do through us what he did through his body. He is literally continuing his earthly ministry through us in surprising acts of significance. I could keep you the rest of the day with all the surprising acts of significance that Jesus performed. Now he wants to do that through us. So consider this as we close from Oswald Chambers. A river touches places which its source never knows. And Jesus said that if we have received his fullness, rivers of living water will flow out of us, reaching and blessing even to the end of the earth, regardless of how small the visible effects of our lives may appear to be. God rarely allows a person to see how great a blessing he is to others. A river touches shores the source never sees. Let's pray. Right now, would you ask that river of living water, the Holy Spirit of God, to use your life for significance today? Would you just say, Lord, use me today, whatever it takes, whatever you ask, whatever the cost. Use me today. Would you say that to him? Now would you ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you and lead you for that voice to show you the way to walk today? And would you decide that you'll measure the success of this day by surprising acts of significance, whether others know it or not? Father, I thank you for all the people that will be blessed through this day by these who are here in this moment choosing to be a blessing. I thank you for all the ways that you will bless us by blessing others through us. I thank you for the abundant life, the joy-filled, empowered life waiting for every one of us who will today choose surprising acts of significance. And all of this, we offer in gratitude to you in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. God bless you. All have a great day.